Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. A word of warning. This podcast contains discussions that some listeners may find distressing or triggering. Please use your discretion. Welcome to Reclaim Me. My name is Madeline Heather, and today I am joined by a very special guest, Jess. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you on, Jess. Now, Jess and I have known each other for a while. Um, do you want to tell them a little bit about how we met a couple of years back? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we actually met at the pub, my local. Shout out, Abbotsford. Um, <laughs> We can shout out to the Vic shortly. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Shout out Vic if you're listening. Um, no, but yeah, just met by being locals at the same pub. Um, just got chatting, I guess, and same values, same sort of situation in a way, I guess. And I love Maddie's dog. So that's always a plus as well. I know. And I just moved to that um, area and that pub became my local when my dog was a little tiny puppy. So it was kind of a ploy for me to make new friends in the area as well. I would just take this 12-week-old Border Collie (laughs) to the pub and then everyone would just pat him and I would make friends that way. (laughs) Want to make friends? Get a dog. (laughs) 100%. But no, so we've known each other for a while. We've had many many a beer together. Um, and that's how I guess we met and became friends and, um, through the likes of social media and stuff, have been able to stay connected during lockdown when no pubs are open. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So it's been really <laughs> nice, but yes, do you want to tell the, um, the listeners a little bit about yourself? Where are you from? What do you do? Uh, I'm, I grew up in Queensland, actually, Bundaberg, uh, moved to Brizzy after school, studied biomedical science at uni and then moved down to Melbourne 2017, so like four years ago. Um, just been working in the healthcare industry, like a medical secretary for a bunch of specialists, which I fucking love. Um, sorry, I'm not allowed to, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to swear on this. Yes, yeah, swear, go uh, for it. <laughs> and yeah, just been um, kind of thinking about if I want to go back into study. It's not really sure what I want to do with my life at this stage, but just going with the flow, I guess. 
Absolutely. It's so relatable. I think after uni as well, I did the same thing. I went in and then I've kind of just hopped from job to job and kind of gone up a little bit, but it's kind of like, I don't know whether I want to go back or maybe try something completely different. Yeah, me too. Exactly. I love that. So you do have a story to tell. Do you mind telling us where you were in your life when, when your story begins? Yeah, so I was 21. I'm 26 now. Um, I was living in Brisbane at the time, working in hospitality. Um, I'd actually just left uni, like deferred. So, again, I was kind of in that limbo of, like, what do I want to do? Yeah, so you're just young, living it up having fun with friends, money's not the biggest problem in the world kind of thing. Your career's kind of on your mind, but you also want to just enjoy life as a 21-year-old. Literally. (laughs) God, I wish I missed being 21 so much. It was such a good time. Remember 21sts? Yes, and you didn't have to wear masks or it's no COVID or anything. Yeah, every other weekend there'd be a 21st birthday party, like a house party and then or a themed party. It was so, that was a, it was a solid year of drinking. <laughs> yeah, like 18th and 21st, that was the year. Absolutely. So you were in this time of your life, you're not studying um, at the moment and everything. What, what were you doing, I guess, when, when this event happened? Um, I was actually down in Melbourne. So my favorite city in the world, which I'm so glad I live here now, even though we're in lockdown, it's like I'd rather be locked down in Melbourne than living anywhere else. <laughs> um, but yeah, it I, agree. In I was just visiting with like, my two best friends um, who I don't think they'd been to Melbourne before. I'm not sure, but I was just so happy to show them like my favorite city. Yeah, so you'd all come here from Queensland together? Yeah, we got really cheap flights, so like $29 or something. Um, I was actually like overseas and my best friend messaged me. She's like, there's $29 flights to Melbourne, like let's go. And then we booked them and, yeah. <laughs> Lovely. So what did you have planned for that weekend? I just wanted to show them around like I guess the touristy shit like um, Hosea Lane, St Kilda, all of that sort of stuff, just have a good time. One of my, or my best friend has a few friends from overseas that live down here, so we planned to meet up with them, which we did on the night of the um, event, Good Times. Yeah, so you're looking forward to this weekend. You've been looking forward to it for a while because the tickets have been booked. Um, And then, yeah, you get here and then what happened? Do you, you and the girls go out for a few drinks? Yeah, so we had planned to meet up in St Kilda at my friend's friend's house for pre-drinks and then the plan was just for her to take us out to like a bar or bars in Melbourne because we didn't really know where to go. Um, And she took us to King Street, which like at the time I didn't know the reputation that King Street had. Um, So I was just excited to go out in Melbourne really. Yeah, and I guess for people who aren't aware, King Street is um, really close to the casino. It typically um, has a lot of strip clubs on it. It's not known for being the most highbrow of streets. 
um, they've got an increased crime rate for other areas of the city. Um, and a lot of the clubs, I guess, around King Street specifically have a reputation for staying up very late and um, being a bit of a, a den. Um, a bit of a field den, I would say. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of drug activity um, and obviously subsequent behaviours out in the streets and, and crime related to that. So it is um, not a bad street. It's just a higher crime street that you wouldn't typically, I think most, unless you're really going for a rave, <laughs> you don't usually go to King Street or the strip club. <laughs> yeah, those are right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So you head into um, King Street and you do you just enter like a bar or? Um, yeah, we went, I can't remember the name of the bar, but we went to a bar on King Street and we are just like, drinking, dancing, having a good time, like left our beers on a table. Um, I noticed the whole time we were there was a man like near us, I guess, or like in the same sort of proximity to us um, watching us the whole time Um, and then just like being, I guess, naive, 21-year-old, just not thinking anything of it. Um, it's like who, like why wouldn't I be loving life? I'm on holidays with my best friends. Yeah. Um, and then I don't know, I guess like the next thing I know I'm just kind of black out and, um, well, actually I got separated from my mates at the start and I was looking for them like everywhere around the bar. I just couldn't find them. I was a little bit drunk. Um, <clears throat> And then after about half an hour, this same guy that was, like, there the whole time, like, approached me and he's, like, saying how distressed I looked and offered to drive me to my friends because apparently he knew that they had left the bar or something. Um, And he's, like, oh, just, like, after you finish your drink, like, I'll drive you and, like, take you to your friends. Finished my drink. I accepted, got in his car that's when I blacked out um, and then I've sort of got like bits where I came to and I just remember him being like, I'll take you to your friends, I'll take you to your friends and like luckily because I used to visit Melbourne like two or three times a year as a kid so I know the city and I remember he drove me past Flinders Street Station and I just remember thinking like this is nowhere near like Southern Cross Station or King Street where we were and sort of blacked out again. And then I came to like properly to this man who was probably like roughly about mid fifties or sixties on top of me. My pants were around my ankles. I was missing, missing my bag, um, which I think like, is it important to note because I always have like my bag across me. Yeah. So he obviously probably took it off me. Um, he was inside me and then I just remember being like, stop, get the fuck off me. Where's Imogen and Maddie, like the, my two best friends, like where the fuck am I? All I remember hearing him saying is like, come on, baby, get me off, you can do it, and feeling like literally like this is how I'm going to die. Like I don't know what I'm going to do. 
Um, <clears throat> sorry. No, it's a, it's just repulsive behavior. Like I can't, my, like I've got the biggest goosebumps right now just from listening to that. That's just horrific. Yeah. I honestly don't know how you do this podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, once I finally gained the strength to like, I punched him in the balls cause that's like the only thing I thought would work. Um, but also keeping in mind, I was like terrified if it didn't work, like what is he going to like kill me or like, yeah. I don't know. Like it's retaliate. Just, if you don't get him off you, is, are you just going to like poke the bear kind of thing? Literally. Um, and then just I jumped out of his car as fast as I could, left my bag, left my shoes. Um, luckily my phone was in my pocket of my coat that I was still wearing, so I still had that. And then just ran as fast and as far as I could. Um, and then... I ended up in Burke Street McDonald's. Right. um, I think I might have still been in shock because I can't remember the start of what happened next, but apparently I was just like pacing back and forth through McDonald's, like really stressed. And then there was this couple that was like just having a cheeseburger after a night out, like on their way home, saw me and approached me. And then I told them like what had happened. So they helped me because I knew the city, obviously, like they helped me get into contact with my friends because my phone had actually died by that point. Um, Walked me back to Southern Cross Station where my friends were waiting. They were a bit pissed at me because they thought I'd just like ditched them and like left. Yeah. Um, And then so because I left my bag in this guy's car as well, I thought I'd left my mum's house keys because we were staying at my mum's house. Um, but she was in Queensland at the time. Um, so I was like, couldn't find mum's house keys and I was really stressed. And then my best friend's just like, let's just book a hostel. Like we'll stay there tonight and we'll figure out everything tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and then we got to the hostel. I was just like waiting, like waiting for them to give us a room and stuff. And then I had to go to the toilet, like keeping in mind, like I still was just like barefoot like in my jeans, whatever, went to the toilet and realised I didn't have any underwear on and then it all kind of like hit me at that point and then I just kind of just had a full mental breakdown in the toilet and then came out and my friend's just like, what's wrong? And I was like, I think I've been raped. Um, and then it was just like the hardest part, I think for me is seeing or hearing like reactions from my loved ones when telling them because like my best friend went outside, she was screaming like, what the fuck? Um, and it's so true because I think we're, we're, we care about, you care about these people so much and you don't want to hurt them. And by owning your own truth and being honest about what's happened, you are going to hurt them. Not It's not your fault, but because they feel the same way about you. It's such a hard feeling, I think, that one to navigate um, because you feel bad telling them or talking to people about it often because you know it's going to make them upset. Definitely. And my best friend's like like the biggest empath you'll ever meet. So that it really hit her quite hard, which I hated. Um, 
that's the thing. It's like the guilt, but it took me a long time to realize that like, it's not my fault kind yeah. of thing. Um, but yeah, so we stayed in this hostel and then after about an hour of checking into our room, my friend was just like, no, nah, we need to take you to the hospital. Like you need to get checked out. So we went to a well-known hospital in Melbourne and when we got there, because we were all still quite drunk, um, told the nurse who was a female um, my story and she was just like, well, you're quite drunk, like quite intoxicated, so we can't really confirm your story. How do you know you didn't say yes? Um, and stuff like that. It's just I kind of zoned out after that because I was just like, what the fuck, like, you're meant to be a health professional. You're a trained um, professional. You should never ask that question. And and even if you did say yes, you did also say no. Like you never gave your consent and you were unconscious. You cannot give consent in that. And it's not for her interpretation anyway. Like give a fuck. She takes down, is supposed to, as a medical professional, take down what you've said and medically assess you. It is not her job in any way to judge whether your story is true or not, unless it has something to do with your medical condition. Does consent play any factor into what assessments she would do on you? No. (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, her first question is like, how much have you had to drink? Like, (laughs) yeah. And, like, obviously I refused to answer that because, honestly, I had no idea. Um, and then the response basically at the end of the day was like, well, we can't help you because you were drunk, can't confirm your story. Um, and she's like, oh, if you don't get your period, just get a pregnancy test or get an STI check if you have symptoms. So I was just kind of like at a loss. I was like, what the fuck do I do? So we went home or back to the hostel Stayed there the night and then luckily the next morning um, my friend's friend, I'd left mum's house keys at her place at Pree's. Like I think I'd left them there on purpose like when I was drinking because I knew I would have a big night or something yeah. like that. So we went and picked them up, went back to mum's apartment and then me and my two friends were throwing up all day um, and then it was only then that I realised that they had actually blacked out for like three or four hours that night as well. Um, and then just looking up stuff, it, I don't know, I don't want to say it because I don't know if it's true, but it just seems like there was something put in our drinks, if that makes sense. And I think that that's, it sounds like that as well. I mean, for three of you to go out, of course you have a big night, but people all have different tolerances and you drink at different speeds and people have eaten different things during the day. Like, It is a coincidence that three of you had such severe reactions um, and and such long periods of no memory, like that's of being blacked out. That's, that's, it's something worth noting, you know, you can never say a hundred percent, but maybe if that nurse had have taken your account seriously and done her job, then you might've been able to get your blood tested and it might've shown something. Yeah, definitely. And like, I'm not normally one to like throw up the next day or get a hangover at all. 
So it was just a bit strange. Yeah. And yeah, and then I guess the next obstacle was like we weren't meant to leave Melbourne for like two days after that, but obviously we all just wanted to go home. Yeah. Um, So I had to call my mum to like sort out some stuff and she asked why, so I had to tell her, like I didn't want to. Um, But, like, she was at her best friend's house, like she was visiting there for the weekend and I'm so glad she was because just her reaction as well is probably, like, the one I hated the most because it just destroyed her, like, as it would. Um, And then I guess... I'm glad I did in the end because, like, she made me tell my dad and my brothers, um, which really did help. Like, at the start, I guess the week after, just telling because I've got three older brothers, so I had to tell this story like four times. Yeah. Um, and I guess it got easier as I went along, but it was still just really hard. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, my experience was very different. We, um, kind of kept it a secret. Um, I think it was seen as quite shameful in, so it wasn't something to share. Um, I think they were protecting my brother as well. So. Yeah. And like at the time, like this was 2016, I guess, like being drunk and being raped was kind of like it telling someone could go either way. Like they could either be like, well, it's your fault for being drunk or they could be like supportive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just told the people I had to tell, which was like my close family and my roommates and that was it. Yeah, and what were their reactions to you like? Um, Well, my brother, my oldest brother, who's probably my most protective is just like, what's his name? Like, I'm going to kill him. I was like, you don't need to go to jail for this fuckwit. Um, And then my other two brothers were really great. My dad called me every day for like a month just to like check in, which I guess like silver lining is I did see the other side of them, like the emotional sort of protective side of them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kind of brought us closer together, like shit circumstances, but. It's like try and take a positive out of it, I guess. Absolutely. And I think that's a really nice way to support somebody who's going through something like this as well. Um, I, people ask me so often, like, what what could I do to support somebody I know that's going through this? And I think that's one of the best ways is just to keep checking in on them and to let them know that you're thinking about them. Like just getting a phone call every day or every couple of days is just so nice to know that you're on someone's mind. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. 
Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. <clears throat> so you called your mum. Did you guys just organise to head back up to Brisbane? Yeah, we just changed our flights, flew back to Brizzy. Um, mum met me in Brisbane, like came and stayed for a few days. Um, and then like the week after that, my dad came up and like stayed with me as well. My two best friends, their parents came and stayed with us as well just to like check in and stuff. So that was really nice. That's really good. <laughs> Um, but I'm so sorry that that happened. And it's so horrific that following that you weren't given the medical assistance that you should have been given and you, you went to get help. And I guess the thing is you can't assume that somebody's drunk unless you've done an alcohol test on them. So like somebody could be presenting with drunken like symptoms and have a head injury and, logically you're in a hospital I just feel like they have an obligation to help you exactly but also like why does it matter how much you've had to drink you know that's exactly right but if you've had too much to drink as well that could be a medical problem or your drink could have been spiked like these are legitimate things that probably should have been investigated anyway and to say, just take a pregnancy test if you skip, if you miss your period. And if you show symptoms for an STI, like that is the stupidest medical advice I've ever heard. That's like just saying to somebody, why don't you just walk outside and see if you can get struck by lightning? It doesn't make sense. Like skipping a period, does she know your fr- the frequency of your period? Does she know? No, because she didn't ask any questions. It's a dumb answer. And then to turn around and say an STD check, excuse me, how many of those don't show symptoms? Like also, you yeah, I've had an STD, so I don't even know what the symptoms are. I know. Is the but fact that I don't have my period a symptom of an STD? Why is it up to you to decide? Like this is just, I'm so sorry because that would have been the first official person that you could have told 
who would have validated you and made you feel like, like you mattered and someone to believe you and that you were not given proper medical treatment and that is just absolutely reprehensible. I think that's what made me not want to report it as well because, like, this person's meant to be helping me. It's like what's going to happen if I report this to the police? Like, are they going to say the same thing? Like, that just added, like, unnecessary trauma. Absolutely. I couldn't could not agree more. Like I'm, I'm just, I want to shake that woman, like grab her by the shoulders and shake her and ask her what the fuck she was thinking, because it's just, it's victim blaming. It is blatant victim blaming. And it is also not an adequate way to treat anybody. You don't treat people differently. And I think that hindered my healing a bit as well because, like, it puts the guilt back on me. Like, I didn't realise it was victim-blaming until maybe a couple of years later. Like, my thoughts were, like, why did I get so drunk? And, like, I was so drunk I blacked out. Like, it must be my fault sort of thing. Yeah. And I think that that train of thought is normal and that's okay. But you do need to know that even if you are drunk, that does not mean that somebody has the right to violate you. And I guess in your story as well, the part that is concerning or the whole thing's concerning, but is like interestingly concerning is that he had said to you, finish your drink. Like, yeah. (laughs) Um, Just that part alone. It's like looking back, like hindsight, I guess is a good thing, but that's more why I think something was put in our drinks because like just telling someone to finish their drink, it's kind of a bit sus. (laughs) And clearly he didn't know where your friends were. So his intentions off the bat were not ideal. So it just sounds like he probably didn't want to have a confrontation with you. Either he was trying to get you more drunk or he knew that you would be somehow incapacitated. Like, to overtly take you from where your friends were or, you know, and it doesn't even matter if they weren't there because he didn't know where they were. He wasn't taking you there. He took you because of that. I'd almost argue that's kidnap because it's taken you under false pretenses against your will. I don't know. But also, like, who goes out with their car by themselves, like, on a Saturday night? to a bar sort of thing. It's like the circumstances just looking back on it all. It's like you can't make these like decisions and assumptions when it's happening because like, I don't know, I guess you don't really think about it. But, yeah, it's kind of like he was sober enough to drive. So it's like was his intent to go there and do this to someone? Yeah. Because it kind of sounds like that. I mean, loitering around young women, being in your mid-50s, loitering around young girls, young women, and then trying to take you or convincing you, coercing you to leave, knowing that you were intoxicated and telling you to finish your drink before he did that. Like it doesn't add up to nice intentions. It kind of sounds like it is premeditated. Like that's what he was there to do and 
you just happened to be the person that he saw the opportunity with. Yeah. And then I think like, that's another thing I think about, like, as bad as it sounds, I'm kind of glad it happened to me and not one of my friends, like, because I just would hate for them to go through anything like that. Um, it's kind of like, not like I took one for the team sort of thing, but it's like, I'm glad it happened to me and not them. Yeah. And that's the empath in you as well, not wanting them to ever be in pain. And I think, you know, that we've all felt that in some way, like, I just wish I could take your pain away. And as painful as it is for you, you'd rather be holding that than experiencing them in pain. Like I I really, I feel that. You went back. Did you ever try to contact the police or to file a report? I thought about it, but after, so actually this trip that I was overseas, um, when we booked the flights, I was actually overseas with one of my really good friends in Singapore and um, she'd told me about her assault and just, she'd just had a shit time dealing with the police. It kind of was almost more traumatic than the actual experience. And that just kind of really got to me. It's like I feel like I've started healing. I don't want to hinder that at all. So I'm just not going to report it. Um, plus, like, just the this was actually the same weekend that, do you remember Brock Turner? Yeah. Yeah, that's when that happened, like the Brock Turner stuff. Um, and it was just like they didn't do a rape kit or anything on me and I didn't know this person So it's like I didn't have any evidence or anything. Um, So I was kind of just like, what's the point of reporting it? Yeah. I mean, it's understandable, but it does go to show that somebody's response to somebody disclosing is so incredibly important um, because that could have been evidence that she missed. Um, And that's, it's disappointing, but I think as well for most people, a conviction or reporting is not their ultimate goal. And that's something that I found really interesting. Sorry, speaking to a lot of survivors is that a lot of people just want to get to a point where it doesn't affect them every day and they can sleep. Like you just, you want to find happiness. You want to find thriving after this. That's the goal. The goal isn't to go through court. And if that's your goal or you've got a different goal and your goal is not to go through a prosecution, that's also okay. Yeah, like everyone reacts to it differently. Yeah, it's just I was just more focused on healing and sort of, yeah, getting back to, I guess, life before this happened. Yeah, absolutely. So did you, you never res- obviously got your handbag or anything back? You, everything was gone? Yeah, so this guy's still got like, my license, all of my cards and everything. So he's basically got my identity. Um, But, yeah, all I took from it was my phone. That's so scary as well that he's got access to your date of birth and your your address. Yeah, well, like, luckily, I guess, like, I moved to Melbourne a year after that and it was my Queensland license. So, but still, yeah, it's a bit scary. It is 100%. Um, it just, it makes me sick that there are people obviously out there that do that, but also you're right. I think in that moment, 
I just keep thinking about that you saying about your bag, you know, like that would be the last thing you'd kind of need to take off somebody, like a small clutch kind of purse that's hanging across your shoulders. Um, you can sit down in the car with that on, you know, like it's a weird thing to have taken off. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know if it was cut off or he took it off. It's like, I'm not sure. Cause like, I'm not, I feel like it might've been cut off because my underwear, I didn't have any underwear on, but my jeans were still around my ankles. Right. So he probably <laughs> didn't redress you. Um, he must've yeah. Cut those things cut, off. Yeah. Or ripped them. I'm not sure, but details I don't like to think about. <laughs> Absolutely. And I can, yeah, I think I just want to say thank you for sharing your story. I think it's, it's important for people to hear as well that it is not your fault if you were drinking. It is not your fault even if you blacked out. If you drank so much that you blacked out, that's not your fault for being abused. You should be able to be on the street completely naked and nobody touch you. There is no time where anybody should ever be touching you while you are unconscious And I I want people to know that and feel that in their soul because we always go back to blaming ourselves. And, you know, you look back at your younger self through your more adult eyes and you go, you know, if only you knew this, you could have done this or you could have done this. And it's so hard because hindsight is 2020. But I guess it's just important to realize that you're not to blame. You didn't put yourself in that situation. Somebody else who is the person at fault here did this to you and that's on them, not on you. But, yeah, I guess being, like, younger as well and I guess, like, sexual assault wasn't really spoken about a lot back then. Um, So it was just kind of, like, a weird period for me trying to navigate, I guess, how I was feeling and why I was feeling why I was and just what happened Um, because, like, I remember, like, trying to find a psychologist afterwards and the first one I went to I just didn't like at all and then I just kind of gave up. So I never really spoke about it to anyone except for my close friends. Um, And then only it wasn't until maybe last year or the year before that I actually found a psych that I like and which has properly started like my healing journey. So I'm glad that you found somebody that you connect with and it's so important that you find somebody that you like. Um, And I had a really similar experience. It was, it took me a long time to find somebody. And the person that I found was actually through um, my employee assistance program. So, you know, EAP, the, you can, through my job, basically, I've got access to a big company that provides some services. And usually they're kind of generic and not very good, but that's where I found my psych. And um, it took a long time to find somebody that you feel comfortable with and you don't feel, you've got to feel that connection. Yeah, well, I found mine through work as well, actually, Um, because I worked for her as a secretary, like in Allied Health, and she just reminded me so much of my mum but like as a psychologist so she was really good (laughs) absolutely someone you can trust and I think that's important 
So you did say that you, you've, you know, really started healing now. What's that been like for you? I think the main thing I've noticed is being able to actually say I was raped. Like when I first would tell my story to people, I would say I had an uncomfortable experience and then it changed to like uh, sexual assault and then now I can say like I was raped because I feel like that word is quite heavy for a lot of people. Um, But then just realising that that's what happened to me and being comfortable saying it, um, I guess, is one thing. Yeah. Um, It's kind of got, it holds power. Yeah. It's like saying hate is a strong word. It's like rape is a strong word as well. But, yeah, it's just being comfortable actually acknowledging what actually happened. Yeah. And that's so true. And I think for me, I really relate to that because I still don't really often say, I don't say it. And I find it hard to say that. I will always say sexual assault. Um, and it does, it jars me. It's, it's actually one of the things that triggers me the most is that word. And I remember I actually wrote it in my victim impact statement when I was 14, hearing words that rhymed with rape, you know, you'd be listening to something my English teacher would say, and he raked the leaves and I would, you know, be back in that moment. Um, so you're right. It does. It holds, it does. It holds so much weight, that word. And to be able to say it and own it in a way is incredibly powerful. Yeah, definitely. And I think it just the more you talk about it, the oh, it gets easier. Yeah, I've always found it like a bit of a um, you're letting it go a little bit. And each time you speak about it, it it holds less weight in you. You get to like you get to yeah. let it off a little bit, and it's not weighing you down as much. And knowing, I think as well, that you said something and people know and you, you've had good responses from them, that weight that you've kind of, that chunk you've taken out, you, you're not handing it onto them. It kind of just flies away and eventually you just get lighter and lighter. Yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, a lot um, of people I've spoken to as well have said that in terms of that like journaling in the same way, like they're not outwardly speaking or, you know, even art, like it's just a form of expression about what you're feeling and to be able to let that off your chest and not hold it is just so incredibly wonderful. Yeah. It's just like emptying the bottle a little bit every time. Absolutely. What would your piece of advice for someone be who's going through something like this now or has been through this in the past? I was actually thinking about this a lot because that's a really good question. Um, I think like what I said before, it's like just don't be afraid to acknowledge your situation for what it is, like what happened to you, and I guess don't try and put a time limit on your healing. Like um, it took me maybe three or four years to even just be able to talk about it to someone and that's okay. Um, and just feel your feelings, let it out. It's, it's a tricky one to navigate because everyone's situation is so completely different. Absolutely. But there's no right way to heal as well. And I think that that's important. 
but you're exactly right. I think that's such good advice is being able to own it and be honest with yourself. And it's hard when society is telling you or telling women specifically that it's somehow our fault um, to realize within yourself that it wasn't, I think is, is a great piece of advice. What helped me the most, I guess, is just having such a supportive and close-knit family and friend group. Um, just lean on your friends and your family when you need to. Like, they're, like that's what they're there for. Yeah, and if you don't have someone you can talk to, you can always connect in with the Survivor Support Network because that is like a family as well. Um, I know a lot of people are struggling at the moment with lockdown and or finding friends to talk to. I went through a big period where um, a few years ago where I didn't really have many friends that I was close enough with to talk to about this stuff. And I, I wish I had that then. Um, that's when I met you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say definitely reach out, talk to people. There are people here that will listen. Yeah. Like, I mean, I can't imagine what it would be like going through this at 14 years old because most of your friends wouldn't really understand or maybe not even know that this is a thing that's out there in the world. Yeah. I don't even think I fully understood for a long time. Um, And I think if you looked at my behavior, then you would have thought it didn't affect me at all. Um, But there was a lot going on underneath there that was confused. I think overtly I was, I was an asshole. (laughs) I was such a little shit. Um, I was angry at the world and, I don't know, you know, I started stealing and stuff. I guess you act out sometimes because you don't have value, but it's, it's, yeah, each and every person goes through their own journey. I hate saying that. <laughs> journey is such a shit. It's so shit. It's so fluffy. <laughs> a journey. <laughs> it's, about journey. it's about the destination. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I try not to be fluffy on here and be normal, but like, yeah, saying journey makes me cringe, but it is <laughs> a path. Yeah. Well, you process, I guess. I don't know. But Yeah. My friend Gemma, who was on here the other day, she did a, we did a podcast about, um, she's a counselor and she specializes in trauma. Um, and she called it integrating, um, instead of healing. And I thought that was really wonderful. Like you've got these parts of your life and this is never not going to be a part of your life, but you will find a way to live your life with this being in it as opposed to, you know, and you can integrate it with your life. You're never going to go to a psychologist and forget it. It's not, you know, like men in black, but you can find ways to deal with things and for them to hurt less and less. And I just liked that term integrating. Yeah. And just, I guess, untangle your thoughts. And cause that's a, that's like one of the main things that was on my mind after it is beforehand, I would go out, walk home by myself down the street, like late at night or whatever. And then afterwards it's like, I, well, I've since been diagnosed with PTSD um, and it's like, and to, like before it happens to you, you don't think it will or anyone you love, but then when it does, it kind of felt like it would happen every time I'd leave the house. And, yeah, it's just really brought to the front of my mind, like just the 
struggles that women go through every day. Yeah. And being now more alert and conscious of your own personal safety. And I think, yeah, it's, it's a difficult thing to navigate that as well. And I think that's a really good point to make for people maybe who haven't experienced sexual violence. It is something that you feel is so far from you. Like you think in your mind, I would never let that happen to me. I would never be in a situation where somebody would do that. I would never date a guy that would do something like that. Like you say these things to yourself because you know that you're not an idiot. You're a smart, intelligent woman who has got her shit together. And I think that when something does happen, it's a sho- it's a huge shock, obviously. But I yeah. think we all felt like nothing would ever happen to us. We We didn't wake up and think, oh, you know, it will at some point. And I think for people to relate to that in a way that it can be taken away from you at any time. Like imagine a man who's never thought about it like this, like him in his own personal right and while being walking down the street or whatever has never ever thought about this or worried about it, but you give it to or posit it to somebody like that and say, what if it did like that? I want you to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and that's why we're outraged. And I think it's, it's hard to, for a lot of people to understand because it seems so foreign. Definitely. And I think also it's, I always wonder if it, this experience hadn't happened to me, if I would be as sort of um, passionate about this sort of stuff, if that makes sense. Like it seems to have picked up in the last few years, like women's safety and rape culture and everything like that. It's just like shit circumstance that I had to guess come to terms with it in that way. But that's the other thing. It's just, I wonder when this would have happened if I didn't have this experience, if that makes sense. Yeah. I often think that as well. Like, would I be such a fierce advocate if it didn't happen to me? Would I be doing this podcast? Would I be doing a lot of things? And it's, it's hard because you just don't know, you know, but it doesn't matter. I think also in the same way, because being safe and hearing the stories of other women obviously breaks our hearts. We're incredibly empathetic people. So our outrage for other victims, I think definitely would have led us to this space anyway. So I want to say thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Um, I think it's going to be incredibly amazing for people to hear that and I'm so sorry that you had to go through that, but I'm so happy to to hear how you're working through it and and how you're healing and and getting to that point now. That's it's really wonderful. Yeah, well, I mainly wanted to do this as well because like listening to other survivor stories on your podcast has helped me a lot. Um, just like navigate why I'm feeling and just sort of the different situations that are considered like rape and sexual assault, which I probably would have never thought of before. Absolutely. And I think in your circumstance as well, um, it's important to talk about, and there will be people out there that will really relate to what you've gone through and, and this will help them. And I think that's an incredible thing. I know that it's been an incredibly difficult journey for you. And I, I, I know that even saying this and talking about it here has been really hard, but I appreciate how candid you were and, and you definitely will have helped so many survivors. 
yeah, all as they've helped me as well and as you've helped me. Well, for now, this is Reclaim Me signing out. Bye. This content may have been distressing or triggering for some listeners. In Australia, for national crisis support, please contact Lifeline on 131114. For more resources, please see the show notes for this episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.